the growing divide between rural areas and urban communities threatens the strength of the nation, according to Anthony Flacavento, a rural development expert who recently has launched the Rural Urban Bridge Initiative, also known as RUBY. Flacavento argues that it is time for liberals and progressives to take seriously the concerns of rural residents. It is also time, starting here in southwest Virginia, to listen carefully to rural people and to spend more time working with them and less time preaching at them. Anthony Flacavento joins me in the studio today to discuss the rural-urban divide and how to mend it. Welcome to the show, Anthony. So glad to be here, Dirk. During this interview, I hope we can cover both what has caused this rural-urban divide and also how we might mend it. But first, I want to get a sense of what inspired you to begin this initiative. What kind of research have you done? What kind of other experiences have you had that have told you that this is a necessary thing to do? The origins of it really came uh, in 2000, late 2019 and, and through 2020, when I was trying to figure out why rural areas like ours, but most all of the rural part of the country, had left the Democratic Party and also beyond just sort of the voting of Republicans overwhelmingly versus Democrats, why um, brands or labels like liberal and progressive had become so bad in rural areas, so toxic. I wasn't buying the line that you sometimes hear from the major liberal or progressive organizations that it's just because all these people are ignorant, they're racist, they're homophobes, uh, they're stuck in the 19th century. I wasn't buying it because, like you, um, I've been in this part of the world a very long time, and I know a lot of those folks. I knew that wasn't uh, a valid, complete explanation. So I started digging around. I started reading books and articles, and... Some, some amazing insights that I gleaned from people who themselves were grappling with the same thing. Why, why have we gotten to this point of such a severe divide? And, and then I started calling them up. I found contact information for some of these authors like Kathy Kramer, um, who wrote The Politics of Resentment, based on five years of talking to rural people uh, all across rural Wisconsin. And then Arlie Hochschild, who wrote Strangers in Their Own Land, also based on tons of conversations, in her case, with people in rural Louisiana. <clears throat> and one more I'll mention, and, and this is of about three dozen different books that I read during this period, was Erica Edelson, who's become a, a very key partner in Ruby. Um, Erica's book is called Beyond Contempt, How Liberals Can Communicate Across the Great Divide. And Erica's focus was on messaging and language. So that was really it. I was trying to figure out why we were so divided. And of course, there's lots of divides in the country along race and other things. But I was focused on the divide that hits closest to home for me, which is the rural-urban divide. And after reading not only those three authors, but many others, reaching out to them and finding that they were hungry for a conversation about what we can do about it, then we formed Ruby uh, basically in 2021. Uh, midway through the year. It seems interesting that there are perhaps other reasons for polarization and division in this country, but it seems to me that the rural-urban divide is the most pronounced. It's probably the core of the division at this point. Would you agree with that? I think so. I mean, other people, there, there's, of course, talk about a racial divide. Um, another person that's uh, I have great respect for, Joan Williams, who's a 
uh, academic and author out of California, writes about the diploma defied. Um, you know, that's a difference of a matter whether you went to college or not. So there's lots of points to it. But the thing about the geography of the divide is, is number one, that many of those other elements of divide, like income, class, and education, are pretty well represented, the big differences between rural and urban. And the second thing is that rural communities, mostly for good, I would say, have a much stronger attachment to their place. People have a much stronger attachment, much um, much stronger sense of wanting their, their own lives and their children's lives to be rooted in their places, whereas suburban and urban people are more mobile. And one of the, and that's a really good thing that, that you know from your work in economic development, and I do too, is something we're trying to harness and use for good with a lot of success. But it has a downside, which is that it also helps people feel like they're under siege. It helps create a sense that we are the ones who have been marginalized, discarded, disrespected, and and there's a cohesive kind of uh, common narrative among people in small towns and rural communities. So it becomes pretty easy to point the finger at the academics and the intellectuals and the government bureaucrats, et cetera, et cetera, that are the cause of the divide. But has this always been the case? I mean, I'm old enough to remember when uh, I come from a rural area, a rural state of South Dakota, and we had produced people like George McGovern as our senator. So it wasn't uncommon for rural people to vote Democratic or to respect rural liberalism, but over the years something has changed. So what has What has changed? changed? And you're exactly right. Not not only your home state, but Wisconsin and several other of those Midwestern states, which like Southwest Virginia, have become overwhelmingly uh, Republican now. And, and not just overwhelmingly Republican, but overwhelmingly anti- liberal, Democrat, progressive. Uh, that wasn't the case very long ago. You know, in Southwest Virginia, it wasn't but uh, 14, no, 12 years ago that Rick Boucher was our Democratic congressman, and we had Democratic representatives in the State House and Senate from this part of the world. Fundamentally, here's what's changed, in our view. This is, this is the, uh, the short version of Ruby's, the culmination of Ruby's research, our recent report. Number one, Rural people believe vehemently that they've been betrayed by policymakers and politicians and that the result has been that the economy has um, denigrated their communities. It's sucked the life out of their communities. And they're right. They're right. The truth of the matter is that small towns and rural communities have seen a tremendous drop in vitality and job opportunity. Now, of course, places like Southwest Virginia, we're working hard to bring them back and reinvent them and all that cool stuff is true. But over the last 40 years or so, rural areas have, in fact, been marginalized by that. Secondly, Mm -hmm. along with that economic consequence, which is strong, it's in everybody's face, factory closings, poor fortunes for farmers, community banks closing in droves being bought up by big banks. Besides all of that, rural people have the sense that the, the larger culture the sort of liberal culture that includes the mainstream media and Hollywood and and most of the important influencers on social media, they feel like it completely disrespects them. Mm -hmm. And they're also, for the most part, right about that. So whereas 30, 40 years ago, votes were more competitive among the two parties in rural, 
there was still at that point a kind of anti-urban thing, but it was more good-natured. People, I heard people when I was first down here talking about how those city folks couldn't fix a thing, didn't understand the first thing. So it was like a more of a, I don't get those folks, but it along with that was a tolerance for different points of views and a willingness to consider changes. Those things have largely been lost because the right has mobilized this deep sense of loss and frustration and anger that people legitimately have. The right has mobilized it and channeled it as an anti-elite, which means anti-democrat, anti-urban, um, anti, in some cases, uh, women. All of that stuff, it's been mobilized while our side, speaking for myself, <laughs> the <laughs> Democrat liberal side, has largely stood by. We have not challenged that narrative mm -hmm. consistently enough. So people have bought into it. It seems to me that the narrative has become so ingrained that you have a situation where people in rural communities have a skepticism about any solutions, whether they're coming from the right or the left, because there is a sense that anything that is going to be done in their own interest may come from a, a more progressive or a more uh, governmental point of view. Yeah. Do you get that sense? Is that Oh, 100%. Real? I mean, part of this whole... Um, the, the anger and resentment and then the mobilization of that to, for a certain political end, um, an, a strong anti-government sense is part of that, particularly anti-regulatory, but just general. The, mm -hmm. the faith in government in our country across parties is extremely low, but among rural people, it's extraordinarily low. So, so when liberals talk about how this federal program or this government program helps you. Why do you vote against it? This helps you. People don't buy it because they fundamentally think the government has let them down and mm -hmm. screwed them, mm -hmm. not enabled their lives. So, so part of what that means about the response to this mm -hmm. is if we want to open a door of communication to start, if we want to begin the long process of rebuilding trust, number one, we don't presume to know uh, what's good for folks. We stop saying, stop calling people low information voters. We stop saying they're voting against their own interests. And instead we try to open up conversations about why, why do you feel the way you do? That's what Arlie did in Louisiana and what mm -hmm. Kathy did in Wisconsin and what we do here. Second thing is we don't lead with the government will help you to a group of people who largely think the government is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, instead, and, and some of Biden's current uh, initiatives that have passed are beginning to get this. We talk about how what our goal is that people and communities will be able to help themselves. It's more of a bottom-up bootstrap than a let the government take care of you thing because that's what everybody wants, especially rural folks. Rural folks hate being dependent. Urban liberals love to point out how it's the people in Kentucky and Appalachia and elsewhere that depend on the government dole, that they get more mm -hmm. money back than they put in in taxes. And while that may be literally true, that does not change the fact that those same folks don't like that. Mm -hmm. They want to be independent. They want to make enough money or have livelihoods that can care for themselves in their communities. And that should be our goal, figuring out how progressive policies, whether it's around health care, economic development, climate change in the environment, how can we take an approach that enables people to solve most of their problems mm -hmm. close to home? That, I think, is the key.
Yeah, I think so, too. I have been involved with organizations that work from a very nonpartisan angle to try to help uplift communities in our region. And there's a lot of resistance that comes from that, a lot of people who don't want to engage in that because they're suspecting something that is political. Mm -hmm. And it's because of this divide that I think that that's occurring. And so I'm hoping that you can also explain to me what the ultimate long-term impacts of this divide are, not just maybe economically, but socially and culturally, uh, unless we address it together as citizens from whatever political persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the consequences are already here, and they will only get more severe. Um, and and Ruby has come to the conclusion, this is not where we started, but we've come to the conclusion that whatever else we're trying to do, from passing good state and federal policy that actually help working people, small businesses, farmers, rural communities, which is incredibly important, to having uh, facilitated dialogues or trying to create these spaces that ultimately what we have is an enormous problem of trust and that our side, the liberal progressive side, is deeply and widely mistrusted in rural areas. Not universally, of course, but deeply and among the vast majority of people. So how do we begin to overcome that mistrust? So again, number one in our our report, where we interviewed 50 candidates and did a lot of research, um, says some of these same things. Number one, we do a whole lot more listening and a whole lot less talking. And that's true whether it's a conversation across the fence with a neighbor or at the supermarket or whether we're actually out knocking on doors, you know, related to some kind of campaign. Much more listening. And we're talking about genuinely respectful listening, like I want to learn from you kind of listening. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, that's tough for a lot of liberals because right now they think these people are not worth listening to. Mm -hmm. They've already got them figured out mm -hmm. and they're deplorable, right? Mm -hmm. So so we have to, on our side, get over that enough um, to, to begin to actually genuinely listen and see if there isn't some bits of truth to the frustration and the sentiments on the other side. Second thing is then we need to start really finding out beyond their general concerns what are the specific things they want to need? What are their priorities? Mm -hmm. And see where those priorities can mesh with the same progressive priorities. What, what you find from focus group and polling data is that consistently rural people, sometimes a small majority, sometimes two-thirds and three-fourths, support most of the major policies that progressives have been either pushing for or, or holding dear for the last 10, 20 years. Things like much greater access to health care, low cost, no cost, call it what you want, mm -hmm. universal health care. Things like uh, farmland preservation and other land stewardship and environmental issues. Uh, absolutely things like taking the corporations on breaking up the biggest monopolies and stopping all of these mergers mm -hmm. that have wiped out rural life. We have a lot in common with issues. But right now, those same surveys and, and focus groups, when they're asked in general, those policies are supported. If they're phrased as something Democrats are pushing, the support plummets. Mm -hmm. That's the trust issue. So it's not so much that we don't have common ground on issues. We do. Our problem is trust. Yeah. 
I want to get into how we overcome that trust Absolutely. divide and to talk a little bit more about how we mend that through listening as well as other partnerships. But I want to go to a break. And first, I want to mention that you are planning to host a show here on WHC that deals with the rural-urban divide. Tell me a little bit about what you're hoping to accomplish through that yeah, we're, show. Yeah, we're going to be launching sometime in January, as soon as I can get my act together. And what we're going to do on the show is a mix of focusing on how we got in this mess, the underlying causes, kind of like the conversation we're having today, but in greater detail, and then talk as much or more about what we can do about it. And these will be both ideas uh, for what we can do as well as tested strategies. It'll be a mix of those two. And I, I hope to do it primarily through interviews, and I'll be interviewing some of those um, some of those leading thinkers I talked about, as well as activists, door knockers, rural organizers, and rural development people. That'll be uh, the gist of the show. I'm talking today with Anthony Flacavento. He is a local farmer and a rural development expert who recently started the Rural Urban Bridge Initiative, also known as RUBY. We have to go to a break, Anthony, but I want to remind our listeners that they're listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia, and you are listening to WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am speaking with Anthony Flacavento. He is a local farmer and a rural development expert who is starting the Rural Urban Bridge Initiative, also known as Ruby. Anthony, I want to talk in this portion of the show about how we mend this rural-urban divide. We've talked about some of the causes. Now I want to talk about some of the solutions to that problem. But first, let's talk about what is perhaps the centerpiece of this attempt to mend this divide, something you call the Community Works Initiative. Tell us what that is all about. So the Community Works Initiative is very much um, one of Ruby's emerging strategies, let's say. It's more than proposed. We've started to do it in a few places, but it's certainly not fully developed or tested. But the Community Works is um, an effort to rebuild trust at the local level. And as I said previously, we've, we've really come to the conclusion that unless we begin to rebuild trust, all the other efforts at policy making and compromise in other ways just won't go anywhere. So here's how Community Works works. <laughs> the focus, the, the sort of local node, is the county Democratic Committee. Now, they may well be in partnership with a social justice or an environmental or a peace organization or others, but the node is the local Democratic Committee. Our belief is that a whole lot of our neighbors, whom we may know and be cordial with, have an extremely negative view of Democrats 
even as they know some Democrats who they are fine with, who they like. Because when they think of Democrats, they think of the group that turns out to protest Donald Trump or the group that turns out against guns and gun violence, et cetera, et cetera. When they see Democrats turn out en masse or as a group or more broadly liberal social justice organizations, it seems like to many people they're never talking about issues that are of concern to us and, and many times they're taking positions we don't agree with. So we have come to the conclusion that we're right. They don't care about us. They don't care about our issues. Community Works turns that around by working with local Democratic committees to create as just a, a regular piece of their work as a local political entity solving local problems with other local groups. Mm -hmm. So imagine if the With County Democratic Committee started aligning with the Withful Farmers Market and the Withful Main Street Association to undertake or expand a big buy local campaign out of recognition that there's a whole lot of mom and pop businesses and family farmers struggling to survive. And we, as a group of Democrats, are going to give our time and money to other groups to help local businesses, not Walmart and Amazon. Mm -hmm. Or imagine if the Scott County Democratic Committee were to decide that, you know what, there's still an awful lot of unmet health needs. And we've heard that the Methodist and Baptist Church are putting on little clinics. We're going to reach out to them and see if we can join them and do that. Mm -hmm. So the, the local Democratic Committee, completely of their own choosing, develop plans and implement the plans to become problem solvers, working concretely side by side with often more conservative groups to get stuff done in their local community. If that can happen, and it won't be easy because all the negativity towards Dems is going to make the, the first few months of this tricky. But mm -hmm. if that can happen, we think three things will happen. More good stuff will happen in communities, more good work, lots mm -hmm. of lo good local work already. Secondly, the Dems who participate, the liberals who participate, they're going to start to have a little more accurate and, and holistic view of their neighbors mm -hmm. rather than dismissing them as whatevers. <laughs> and third, we believe that eventually – Many of our neighbors who've now come to mistrust us are going to start to trust us again mm -hmm. because it's really hard to hate somebody that you're driving nails with to fix the roof mm -hmm. of the, the old school building. Well, here's one group I'm wondering if Democrats would be wanting to work with, and that is our current legislators who are all Republicans. I mean, if the goal is really to get things done and to, and to build trust, shouldn't Democrats want to reach out to the people who can make things happen, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, in a policymaking area? Yes, and I think some of that has happened. I know, for instance, although I don't know the details, but I know, for instance, that um, Appalachian Voices and their New Economy Network, which is kind of Wise County-centered but broader, uh, has worked actually quite closely with, for instance, Delegate Kilgore mm -hmm. around various issues to try to get economic development through solar. And he's actually become relatively well supportive of that. So I know some groups that are doing that. Of course, groups like the, the ASDs and the People Incorporated and all that, they already do that. They mm -hmm. already work uh, with whoever is in leadership in the legislature. And so that's happening. In terms of the local Democratic Committee, I think that makes sense, Dirk. But I would say that the best way for that to happen would, again, be through concrete projects in the community. Mm -hmm. More, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, calling up uh, Todd Pillion. He's a, he's a fine fella and saying, hey, we'd like to sit down and meet with you. But I think better still would be meeting Todd Pillion, 
on a work site of something that's getting done in the community. Mm -hmm. and, and then from there, maybe conversation begins. I'm glad you mentioned the word conversation. It seems like a lot of this is going to involve conversation in addition to the work that you're talking about, which I think is a brilliant approach. But what kind of conversations would you like to have and who would you like to be in the room more as you're having these conversations? Yeah, so I, I framed it a little bit earlier on um, this idea that it begins with much more listening than talking uh, and it begins with the foundation of respect. Um, Erica's book, the Beyond Contempt, and and her continued work in that sphere, has an amazing number of examples of when liberals and progressives, not always politicians, sometimes movie stars or pop stars, have just shown utter disrespect and contempt for rural people. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody refers to the example of Hillary Clinton about deplorables, but it's so much wider than that. The fact of the matter is plenty of folks on our political side are really, really do look down on working folks and rural people. That's just a fact. The first thing that I think really helps is that we acknowledge that both political parties have largely ignored or failed rural people in small towns. That A lot of Dems don't want to go there. They think that's divisive or they think that's bashing and we need to be building each other up. I, I think it's like it, if you've been in an argument with your spouse and you take stock of it and you realize, you know what, I really did screw up, you don't skip over that. You start by saying, I really screwed up. I want to do better. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to do as a political party and as a sort of a, a movement of progressives and liberals is acknowledge that folks are right in feeling frustrated, disappointed, and angry. Then from there, we have we I think that puts the guard down and it opens the door to conversations. Wherever possible, the conversations I think should focus or start at least with local issues. Mm -hmm. The hospital closing, the the school consolidation, the economy and the, the factory that maybe is coming or maybe not, all those things. But of course, Local rural people, like anybody else, are across the board, and there's some folks that want to talk about big issues. Mm -hmm. And they do want to talk about guns and gun violence and gun rights, and they do want to talk about abortion, or they do want to talk about gay marriage and all of that. And we have to be able to have those conversations where we think there's a high probability we're going to disagree, mm -hmm. but still do it in a respectful way. Outside of politics, I think at least uh, in general, is higher education, which still is, and I think even in this region, looked down upon to some extent through this sort of anti-intellectualism that a lot of people in rural communities now have. And I'm wondering if there are things that higher education should be doing to participate in this or things that higher education should be doing better to help bridge this divide. Yeah, I think there are, and I think it's happening. It's just not its just not commonplace enough yet. So Emory and Virginia Tech both, I'm aware of both of them, have, um, uh, and ETSU as well, all have community-oriented programs, faculty and staff that spend some or most of their time working on community-based initiatives. And for the most part, from what I've been able to see, doing it in a bottom-up fashion, which is to say not coming in and saying, okay, you folks here in Lebanon, we're going to 
we're going to give you what you need to succeed, but coming in as partners. Mm -hmm. I saw it very much from um, UVA Wise and to a lesser degree Virginia Tech when I was working on the St. Paul Project and developing their their business plan for an ecological center. And I think it's I think it's more often the case that you know people partly dislike academia because they feel it's an ivory tower where people deal only in their mind. Mm -hmm. And anything that we can do to show that the students and the faculty and staff at colleges and universities, while they may be very much in the life of intellectual (laughs) ferment, which is a good thing, they're committed to their community, their regions. I think that's really critical. So I think the, the stuff is already happening. Anthony, that is all the time we have for this conversation, but I look forward to having more with you, and I also look forward to the show that you will host that is devoted to bridging the rural-urban divide. Thank you, by the way, for oh, being so on the show. so glad to be here. I've been talking today with Anthony Flockavento. He is a rural developer who recently started the Rural Urban Bridge Initiative, an attempt to bridge the divide between rural and urban people and their interests. And you are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you've been listening to WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.